Hello, I'm glad you're with us online. The last couple of years have been really rough. Hello, Randy. Captain Obvious here. But with the challenges we face personally and as a congregation, it's been very easy to get down. And at times, I mean, I felt like I've been in an emotional desert. It's been very dry, very parched in my spirit. And it might be the same for you. I, I bet it has been. There is a normal ebb and flow to life, a normal up and down. But wow, we've been on quite a roller coaster since early 2020. Many of us have been dealing with what I call normal depression over the last couple of years and, and maybe even more than normal since the world just seems like it's spinning out of control. Experiencing up and down in life is normal. And you and I, though, we can do much more than just wait it out, to wait till it blows over. This was liberating to me when I first discovered this, that God really wants to help us work through the ups and downs of life. Where our mind focuses when we're down is crucial for pulling out of the doldrums and, and making progress in life. I should say who our mind focuses on is crucial. A passage that really helps me when I'm down is Psalm 42.5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. This passage tells you and I where to focus when we're down. Focus on God. Put your hope in him. Not in powerful people. The powerful people in our country and, and in the world really haven't known quite how to respond to the pandemic. We don't put our hope in ourselves or in friends, but we hope in God. Why? For I shall again praise him, my salvation. God promises to walk through the turmoil with us, and he will lead us through to the point where we praise him and we acknowledge what he's doing in our life. That's the promise that we will praise him again. I want to spend the rest of this message sharing with you what helps me when I'm dealing with the normal ups and downs of depression. Um, you, you may need to talk to someone. And in fact, that's one of my uh, suggestions out of scripture, but you, you need to get perspective. If you can't deal with it yourself, you need to talk it over with someone, hopefully someone who's more mature in the faith that you can trust. And often I need to talk things over with people. So I, I, I this, this is a good move. So <clears throat> the first move when you get down is to focus on God and put your hope in him. Beyond that, though, 
the scriptures have much guidance to give us on what we can do. There are four things that we can do right now and four things that we can work on over time. So let's start with what we can do right away. First, we need to recognize the spiritual dimension to our trouble and resist the enemy. There is always a spiritual dimension to our trouble. Our culture overlooks this, but it is true and very real. We're in a battle. James 4, 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves to God, therefore. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The strategy of the enemy is to create a cloud of doom over us. And this cloud is designed so it to to blow up our circumstances in our minds so they feel very much worse than they really are. This is the point at which we need to resist the enemy and what he's doing. You and I can resist the temptation to blow things up in our mind so they seem worse than they are. Here's what I do. I pray something like, I resist you, enemy, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and claim the victory he has won over you. Father, help me put this trouble in perspective to right-size it and not be overwhelmed by it. That's, That's a prayer I pray often. And the Lord is in control of reality so he can help you grasp what's really going on. The next thing you can do right now is be diligent. Hebrews 6, 11 through 12 says, We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Part of the enemy's strategy when we're overwhelmed is to paralyze us, to help us be overwhelmed and not do anything productive. Just stew in our trouble and cook in it. (laughs) Uh, The way out of this pattern is to clarify your circle of responsibility, and focus on, it, on, on that. Paul Tripp mentions this helpful idea in his book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. In any given set of circumstances, he says there are things that concern us that are beyond our control and things within our control. All the things that concern us in any given situation and things we can do something about, in other words. If we focus on all that concerns us, then they dominate our thinking and create that cloud of doom. We pray about these things. We trust God with them. That's, That's the right response. But if we focus on what we can do something about, then often the the concerns shrink down to size and our sense of control over the situation 
grows and gets better. So <clears throat> what we need to do right away is focus on the things that we can do in our circumstances and trust God with all the things that we can't control. We, we trust him. That's what it's, that's the definition of faith, really. We, we trust him to be working even when we can't see him, but we trust him through prayer. A third thing we can do right now is talk to a friend. You will likely need to talk it out with someone to gain perspective if you're really feeling overwhelmed. And I often need to, especially when I'm really down. But pride keeps us from doing that. Uh, we, we don't want others to know that we're weak. And we think, I should be able to deal with this. Uh, what a wimp I am right now. You are human. And humans often hit spots where they need to talk things over with friends. Proverbs 27.9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Don't keep trouble bottled up inside of you. It will eat away your insides and isolate you from the help you really need. Talk things over with a trusted friend, someone who's been walking with the Lord for a while. Hopefully, hopefully someone that you, you admire and respect. Nathan Lewis, a counseling professor uh, in our congregation, says 90% of our problems could be worked out by talking to a friend. And he, he's definitely one of the guys I talk to uh, when I need to talk things out. If you have a good relationship in a healthy community of Christ followers, that's even better. That adds a lot of value uh, to what you're dealing with in life. Don't isolate yourself from others. You will cut yourself off from the resources God has provided for you. The church community can be a real help because it is filled with people that care. And if you isolate yourself from them, you're missing out on the benefits of, of the church community. And we tend to, when we're working through problems, we tend to pull away. From people, but that's the wrong reflex. We need a different reflex. Don't go down alone. Talk through your trouble with someone. The last thing you can do right now is get rid of guilt. Guilt and remorse go hand in hand with discouragement. The enemy wants to pin you down this way, pin you to the mat so you don't get up. He specializes in vague guilt. He shoots flaming arrows in our minds. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have thought that. No real Christian would do that. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. God is gracious. We can get forgiveness from him if we've messed up. When I feel guilty and I, I can't really figure out exactly what I've done, I ask God to specifically show me if I've done wrong. And I think it through. Sometimes I go to the scripture, look at the list of things that I could have done wrong. There are a couple lists in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4. But God can communicate to you what you've done wrong. He is faithful to do that. And so I go to him. If he shows me something, I confess it, which means that you just agree with God. The, the passage says if we confess our sins, he forgives our sins. And confession means that you say it with, you, you agree with God that it, it was wrong. And when you do that, he forgives you. If it's a vague sense of guilt that I'm feeling, then I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness that Matt talked a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and I say something like, my faith is in the goodness of Jesus Christ, not myself. It's a way to put up the shield of faith that Matt talked about. Uh, he, he talked about the flaming arrows of the enemy in the first message of this series. And we put on the breastplate of righteousness that the Lord Jesus has provided for us. It's not our righteousness we trust in, it's his. He's forgiven us based on what he's done and the life he lived while he was on earth. And then we claim the forgiveness that we've been given. God can show you. He can show me. If we've committed a sin, and if he shows you something, confess it. Deal with it right now, right away. What we can do right away is like a wrestling match and sort of like hand-to-hand combat in our minds, really, inside of us. God promises to give victory if we put our faith in him. I want to shift now and talk about what we can do over time to grow out of the depression that we're experiencing and the the, being in the doldrums, really. There are several things you and I can work toward. First, adopt a realistic estimate of yourself. Romans 12, 3 through 4 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned him. Notice the phrase, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We wrestle with discouragement. Everyone I know wrestles with discouragement. We shouldn't expect ourselves to be superhuman because we aren't. We're just human. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's okay. We need to admit in a way that we're ordinary. We're both nor- noble, there's dignity that we have as human beings, 
but we're also ordinary. We struggle with the things that everyone else struggles with. Part of life is learning our limitations, and we should expect them, and uh, we, we should expect to have limitations and never expect more out of ourselves than we can give. My, my dad was legally blind from about 70 on, and he lived to 93. And he was a great example about of someone who trusted God, accepted his limitations, and, and adjusted. Um, and he, he, he read a lot of books, put it on a screen, and the words would be really big, but he, he read voraciously a, a, after he went legally blind. What an example to me. We need to admit that we aren't God. We only can control our circle of responsibility, what God has put on our plate. Our, our control is limited. God is in charge of everything else. We can trust him to fulfill his purpose for us. And we learn our limitations and we stay in our lane and let God lead us forward. The next thing we can do to work toward over time is to set realistic goals and expectations. Psalm or Proverbs 17:24 says, "The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth." Learn to align your dreams, your goals with God's goals. Before you base your life on the song, Climb Every Mountain, ask God which mountains he wants you to climb because he doesn't want you to climb all of them. And so we need we need his help. We need his guidance. Another worthy goal to pursue over time is to be flexible to God's will. Boy, we've, we've had to be flexible over the last couple of years. James 4:13 through 15 says, "Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live." And do this or that. The past year has been a major flexibility test. Many of our personal plans have been canceled. Uh, church plans have been canceled and rewired. Uh, we were online for 50, over 52 weeks and we met in a park for a few months and all of that turned out to be good for the church. At least meeting in the park really helped contribute to our mission and help us gain momentum toward it. We have seen how God has been faithful to the church body. And he has. He has been faithful to fulfill his purpose for our congregation. And he will be faithful to fulfill his purpose for you. 
if you learn to cooperate with him. God can be trusted. He is not surprised by anything we've experienced over these last couple of years. He He's in control. If you're here today and you've survived these last couple of years, he's proved that he can be trusted and because you've had everything you've needed these last couple of years. Here's a passage we've all experienced these last two years. Proverbs 16.9 We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. God is in charge of both circles. What concerns us and what we're responsible for. The things we can't control and the things we can control. The reality is that God is writing a story of his faithfulness with those who cooperate with him and seek to live their life for him. A final perspective we can grow in over time is to learn from disappointment. Hebrews 12, 7 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Good parents don't give their kids everything they want. And as an adult, when God doesn't give me what I want, I I can throw a little fit inside. And it's not pretty. But God is faithful in what he gives and what he doesn't give. We can trust him. He is faithful to discipline his kids. In fact, in our frustration of not getting what we want, God is training us. In our discouragement, in our depression, from life maybe not turning out the way we want it to, he wants to grow us. God faithfully grows us through it if we turn to him and work with him. In my early days of walking seriously with the Lord, if I was attacked by discouragement, I thought, I just had to let it blow over. That's all I can do. But that's not true. God wants to help us grow through the struggle. And he promises to develop us if we work with him as we suffer through it. Maybe the last couple of years has been like an emotional desert to you. It's been very dry for me. It's been dry and depressing. The world we live is messy. It's going downhill. We shouldn't be surprised that it's falling apart because the Bible clues us in to this. God is not surprised. He is in control. We can trust him with our concerns, the things we can't control and the things we can control. As Christ followers, we shouldn't despair because the Lord is in control of history and he's moving it toward a glorious end. It's it's linear. It's not circular. He's taking us somewhere and he's taking 
his Christ followers to a glorious end. Second Peter 3, 10 through 13 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of person uh, people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, this is where God's taking us. We are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is going to be a great day. Our hope is not in this world. It's in the next, in the one God will make for us, a new heaven and a new earth. We wait patiently for the new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. God has promised to make all things right. That's where history is headed. He's going to wrap up history and make everything right. And he's going to provide his followers a glorious future. And I'm looking forward to that future. This is our hope. And I encourage you to stand firm in it. I'd like to encourage you to take some next steps today. Uh, here, here's my suggestions. My next step today is maybe God said something to you uh, out of the, the first part of the message, the, the four things you could do right now. Resist the enemy, be diligent, talk to a friend, get rid of guilt. Maybe you need to take a, a, a next step based on that. And uh, if God's laid something on your heart, take initiative. Get it done. Do it right now. Be diligent in that. Uh, over time, maybe there's something that you want to work toward God uh, w- with God over time uh, that he's spoken to you. Uh, adopt a realistic estimate of myself. Uh, be flexible to God's will. Set realistic goals and learn from disappointment. Uh, another step would be to join a group. You're going to be encouraged in a community group in these things that we've been talking about. Walking through life side by side with other Christ followers is the best way to move forward. There's a lot of growth in community and a lot of help in community. I also want to encourage you to investigate Becoming a member at CIV by attending, uh, first step in our membership process is attending CIV preview. There's going to be a preview on 2-6, February 6th. And then a second step is to attend discover class. And that's going to be on 227. Step three is to commit, but we give you some time to think that through. If you're ready to commit when you take the Discover class, you, you certainly can. But that there is so much help in having friends 
and a community of believers that you walk through. And it, it's just a, a, a really great resource that God has provided for us. Would you pray for me? Or with me? <laughs> well, you could pray for me too, but if you could pray with me, that'd be great. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and goodness and grace. Thank you for the perspective you give in Scripture. Just a reminder to put our hope in you. Not trust ourselves, not trust the powerful people, not trust our friends. But put our hope in you. Help us to do that, God, in the various ways that you've shown us this morning. I pray for help in taking these next steps in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.